Welcome to Community Sense, where Carly and Mark talk with the world's best community leaders to get inspired and to learn the strategies for building a thriving community. Welcome back, everyone, to a new episode of Community Sense. We're so excited to talk with our guest today. I don't know, Mark, how, how are you feeling about today? I'm, I'm fired up. Dan has a lot of passion for all things community. You will get that clearly through during the interview, through the conversation we have with him. He has a ton of wisdom. And the interesting thing about Chili Piper and what he's leading over there is they are at a, a maturity stage of community building and strategy that is, I think, pretty sophisticated. It's pretty advanced. We get into that during the episode, but he goes through a lot of tactical details, Carly. Yeah, a lot of a lot of really great takeaways that Dan lays out perfectly. So if you're if you're looking for some bullet points, you will certainly get some of them in today's episode. So for those of you who don't know Dan, who we're talking about, his name's Dan Schmela, and Dan is the director of partnerships, community, and social media at Chili Piper, where he's been for about a year and a half. Prior to joining Chili Piper, Dan has run a few political campaigns for for some various politicians. He also grew the Modern Sales Pros community to over fourteen uh, fourteen thousand with the two million in revenue that he drove through partnerships at Modern Sales Pros during his time there. So he has a ton of great insights. We we both, I don't know if Drifter users of Chili Piper, but I've used Chili Piper in the past. It's a great tool, but I can't go anywhere right now without hearing about Chili Piper. And a lot of that is due to Dan's work. So we're excited to dive into our conversation with him today. But before we do that, we got to talk some common sense. So we what's up it. today, Mark? He, he talked about the power of using your your customer as a strong voice in your community. But then he went a step further. And and this is something that I think is really common sense, Carly, but for some reason we tend to forget it because we're so consumed in our own business or our own organization that the voice of the member is so important when growing a community. It's not about your voice. It's about how do you help amplify their voices? Yeah, it's a it's a great point. And it's, I think we've talked a lot in our, our last few episodes about bringing value to your to your community or, or, you know, bringing value to external communities. How do you enable your customers to talk about you? And how do you add to that conversation without explicitly asking them to talk about you? Or, you know, how are you kind of like teeing it up for them to be able to contribute in ways that are meaningful for you and your business and hopefully measurable without like crossing that line of losing trust or or contributing in a way that's not give to get within a community? And I think um one of the one of the misconceptions that that Dan talked about was like you don't need to reply to every single thread or every conversation that's about your brand you know let the people who know who are your customers who know you like let them contribute let them have those conversations and that's going to be far more powerful than your brand representative hopping into those conversations yeah you got to make it feel natural and authentic and like you said, you have to figure out how to get the members that might be customers, might not even be customers right now. Maybe they're past customers, but they're super fans of the brand 
and then in this like intermediate period to share their opinion and their perspective on either what the brand stands for, how valuable it can be for an organization, what it's done for you as an individual personally in your own career so or in your own quest for something. So there's a lot of facets to that. But at the end of the day, it's it's really making sure that the voice of the member is the voice that's heard the loudest and is used the most in your own community, but in all the other communities that your members are also part of. And your yeah. voice, to your point, is much, I don't want to say muted, but is it's much more in the background, if at all. Yeah. And I think, you know, what's going to be hard for community leaders, managers, marketers within that is like, there's a, a big loss of control, right? When you, when you give up contributing in that way and, and you, you leave it to your customers to talk about you in those ways, because you don't know, maybe they didn't have a great experience or maybe there's something specific about a question someone asked that didn't you know, didn't sit right. But I think that authenticity, right, that like authentic response will hold so much weight than you, you know, you contributing to every conversation or always putting a positive spin on things or whatever. And I think it's, it's a taking that step back, like you certainly lose control, but I think you, you gain more than you'll lose. And in kind of that organic response that that is really authentic and genuine and, and that peer to peer conversation that I think is going to be far more valuable to, to your target target market. And one last thing before we jump into that conversation with Dan, the caveat to that is I do think having your employees, employees or team be part of that conversation and, and help them amplify their own voice is something that is viable and very successfully done. But it's got to be to your point, like authentic and genuine. But having just like one person from the brand or the business do all the posting or responding or engagement, that's where it's like not as successful. You need to have many, many people across your organization, across all the teams, be empowered and kind of educated, uh, trained, if you will, to be participating in the community. Yeah. Yeah. That enablement piece is key. And, and we talk a bit about that with Dan. So I think we should just hop right into our conversation with them. Let's do it. Awesome. Here we go. Well, hello, Dan. So happy to have you here with us today on Community Sense. My pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, of course. Really excited. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited to dive into your experience. You definitely kind of really deep community experience, it sounds like, through a lot of different areas, even outside of B2B that I'm sure we'll dive into a bit. But before we do, let's just start with your role at Chili Piper, right? And and start with leading community at Chili Piper. For those, those listeners who might not know who Chili Piper is, what you do, can you give us a little bit of background on Chili Piper, what it does, why it exists, and, and kind of your role within Chili Piper? Yeah, I'd love to. So when I joined Chili Piper, we had about 35 employees, and I was starting to be the kind of head of community. Fast forward about a year and a half later, we've increased our revenue you know, over 400%. And uh, we have all these relationships across a broad community ecosystem with amazing partners like Pavilion. We love working with you, by the way. Our tool is actually more of a suite of tools. But basically, we solve the problems that our clients have around inbound lead conversion. So on average, we'll double inbound lead conversion for all of our customers by allowing them to you know, book a demo right from their website, route, qualify, and schedule that with the correct rep, as well as a variety of other tools, eliminating the back and forth between meetings, 
allowing for equitable lead distribution, all the tools that basically occupy the inbound lead space. It's a really exciting time to be a Chili Piper because not only do we have all these tools, really useful for marketers, sales ops people, revenue ops people, but we've also done a really bunch of exciting stuff on the foundation side. You know, when we raised 33 million recently, we pledged 1 million of that to charity. We've made a lot of strides. 50% of the managers at our company are women, half of the execs as well. So we'd like to say that not only are we focused on providing, uh, you know, solutions and better conversion rates for our clients with these solutions, but we also want to try and make the world a better place. And it's part of the reason I'm like a Chili Piper fanatic, and I'm probably not going to be leaving anytime soon. I run basically a lot of our outward facing brand efforts. So our social media, our video, our community efforts, I'm on the board of our foundation. And then more recently, actually, just this week, we hired three customer marketers. So, you know, immediately after this chat, I'm going to go hop in uh, and do a first onboarding with a new employee. So I'm just so excited. It's a really fun time to be a Chili Piper. That sounds awesome, Daniel. It's interesting. You kind of started to do it as you explained the business, you know, why it exists, who do you serve. When you said you have a community ecosystem and you have this foundation and it sounds like it's, it's multifaceted in terms of how you define community at Chili Piper. So I'd like to start just with that. Like, how do you folks think about community at Chili Piper? Yeah, no, it's an interesting question. And it was it was actually the first question I was tasked with when I joined the company. I'd met Nicola, our, our CEO, who's just amazing. Actually, when I was the general manager of a community called Modern Sales Pros, I met him at an event in New York. And then when I heard they were having for community people, I was like, let's do it. So his first task was for us to build our own community. But we looked across the community ecosystem and we're like, okay, we build our own community. Our customers are in there. They love it. Our prospects are in there. They love it. But what about these other communities? What about Pavilion? What about RevGenius? What about marketing operations pros, modern sales pros, all of these communities out there? So our strategy shifted a little bit from rather than saying, hey, let's build our own community and and claim this, this land here for us. Go Chili Piper. It's all about us. And, and it became more, how do we support and build relationships across all of these other communities out there? So by community ecosystem, I essentially mean wherever our customers are talking in a community. And then that comes to the question like, well, what exactly is a community? Maybe we can get to that a little bit later or dive in now. But essentially by community ecosystem, we just want to be everywhere that our, our buying committee or just in general, the industry is chatting with each other and we want to try and provide value there. Makes a lot of sense. We've heard that a few times as we've talked to community leaders and season one is all about this idea that community is, is collaborative. And the way you just described it is community is not only collaborative in terms of like how you grow and nurture a community inside the business, but a community is collaborative in the sense of working with other communities and partnering with other community leaders that have a similar, I'd say, mission to you, right? Uh, and it's around, like, I think for you guys, it's educating a lot of marketers and sales ops and rev ops folks on how to be better at, I mean, lead generation at the end of the day, revenue generation, right? Um, and there's some of that, but I think it's more than that is what I'm getting at from what I hear you describe. It's more than just that. Like, how do you think about the mission then of, of that broader community as as you as it relates to like you partnering with people because like you could partner with a lot of different people like how do you pick how do you choose how do you align yeah well there are a bunch of different types of community i'm sure there are a thousand out there but i'll, I'll point out four right now so there's your customer community right 
And this is a community where your customers come and ask questions. And this is actually the one where maybe we'll get to there in the misconceptions of community. But I think like 90% of customer communities are done wrong. Then you have your peer-to-peer communities like Pavilion, where it's people across different companies exchanging information because sometimes learning at the pace of experience isn't fast enough. Or sometimes in this COVID remote world, you just want to meet your true peers. And there's so much amazing knowledge out there that that just our team stumble upon each day. Imagine if we were able to tap into and harness the knowledge across all these companies. It would really make us all better. The third type of community out there is one united around an idea, right? So like a great example of this would be CultureAmp's community, right? They built a community around the idea that you should just have an awesome work culture. And they have people there not only evangelizing for their tool, but for the idea of community in general. And then there are a couple other types of communities out there, like enablement communities or referral communities or all, it, it goes on, but those are the big three. So when we were deciding where do we want to focus, we first thought, you know, where are our buyers? So we surveyed our buying committee and we figured out what communities they were in. Then from there, we went and looked at those communities. We looked at the activity metrics within those communities. There are some important indicators that'll tell you if a community is healthy, some metrics you want to dive into. And one of them is... Uh, you know, post per month, obviously, unique posters per month. But then there's a really interesting stat that I look at all the time whenever I'm assessing communities, which is responses per thread, right? A community isn't a space where you go and ask a question like, hey, how does this feature work on your tool? And then someone from the company answers and is like, oh, it works like this. That's not a community. That's like a message board. A community is when people from different companies that are not explicitly paid for that interaction engage with each other to provide mutual value. So that's really where we honed in at first. I love the breakdown. I love those three things. Carly, what, what, what do you think in terms of those three, customer, pair-to-pair, idea-based, if I, if I got yeah. those right, Daniel? Yeah, it's interesting. A question that was kind of circling in my, in my mind after you ran through those three was, how do you prioritize, right? And I think what you said, and you went to your bot, you knew your priority was, we want to go where our buyers are. And you went to your buyers to ask them, like, where are you? <laughs> you know, like, where are you engaging? And then you confirmed with those communities that that level of engagement is there. So I think an interesting question to, to build off of that, that I'm sure a lot of folks who are considering this sort of community-based approach, right, uh, or external community-based approach, might be eager to learn is like, you've identified that your buyers are in a community, the engagement is there. How do you capitalize on that, right? Like, how do you capture their attention? And what are you doing to engage within those communities? Yeah, so it varies community to community. And it's, I'll say also, cautionary tale, it's very easy to run ahead of yourself, right? If you just raised $35 million or whatever, you raised $200 million and you're like, we're going to sponsor all the communities. Like, You need to make sure you pick the communities that have a level of growth where they can support you because what you're essentially buying is like field marketing as a service or community marketing as a service, right? And back when I was at Modern Sales Pros, you know, I sold over a million dollars worth of these sponsorships. And that's part of what was great, right? You know, there are these companies who are trying to try new field marketing things. They want to try events. They want to try webinars. They want to try interesting other event types, but they might not have the bandwidth necessarily to stand those up, right? So that's part of what's amazing about communities. For example, with Pavilion, you know, next month we're doing an incredible dinner with you all in New York City. There are going to be about 30 sales leaders, uh, like senior sales ops, VPs. And that's amazing. And what's even better about it is I don't have to go out there and invite everyone myself, right? 
So when you're thinking about what to do with community, the first thing I would say is like, whatever you do, just make sure you have enough bandwidth to actually follow up on it, right? Because these community sponsorships can get really expensive. And the last thing you want to do is be that partner who's like, hey, here's $100,000. And then a year later being like, why didn't anything get done? I've been on both sides of this, right? I've bought sponsorships and I've sold them. And there's always that moment where you're selling a sponsorship and then two months before the renewal date, the, the purchaser comes back and there's like, where's the ROI? Like, fortunately at Modern Sales Pros, we always have the ROI, but it's often like, oh yeah, so you signed up for a webinar, we delivered you 500 attendees, and then you emailed them three weeks afterwards with like a garbage email that doesn't connect to the content of the event. And then you're wondering why you're not converting many community source leads. Like, hmm, like, let's think about that. So regardless of what you do, my first and most pressing thing is just like, make sure you have the bandwidth to follow up with it. Because like communities need to deliver on that sponsorship for their growth as well. So you don't want to put them in a position, especially if it's a small community run by just a couple people where they're going to be like suffering because you are drowning in a thousand community sponsorships, right? The second thing I would suggest after you determine if you have bandwidth is to like take basically a varied approach to it, right? Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Try events, try engagement on threads, try sponsorships, try to source talent from it. One of the interesting things is I feel really lucky at Chili Piper. I report directly to our CEO, uh, Nicola, and we don't have to measure everything, right? Because it's like, let's say I have a really strong advocate who loves, you know, Jeff Ignacio would be a great example. He was the former revenue ops person at Upkeep. He's an amazing pavilion member. Now he's at Amazon Web He is obsessed with Chili Piper. He loves Chili Piper. I'm not going to be like, hey, Jeff, like when, when the topic of inbound lead conversion comes up in this thread, and I know you'll invariably mention us, please make sure to uh, UTM all of your comments about it. Right? <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> so it's like one thing that's helpful there is to survey folks when they come inbound. How did you hear about us, right? Then you can loop that back to the community source and focus more on building true fans and advocates and less on trying to like build out systematized sponsored programs that'll drive a certain number of QHMs. Because at the end of the day, like what these communities are is their external brand affinity points if you do it right. But if you do it wrong, they can become brand liabilities. Um, so those would be uh, some tips. Well yeah. said, well said. Yeah. I, was, I was just going to make the comment around the integrated approach you talked about in your first point, which kind of gets into the next question on like, how do you work with your organization, others in your organization at Chili Piper to, to help grow the community? It's one thing to, to, to start it off as a team on its own kind of mission. But as you've made the point over and over again, community is much bigger than just one team. It's really, and it's also interesting that you report to the CEO. We could dig into that, right? Because like you obviously take at Chili Piper a very long-term strategic view from a community standpoint with, with your building efforts of growing not only your fans, but also your engagements and, and how you measure its influence is this really like I think spot on? Like the way you said it, like, hey, if they come inbound, it's like, how did you hear about us? Great. How do you though work with people across your team, across your sales team, customer success team? Uh, and to Carly's point, like, what do you prioritize and how do you prioritize it? Would love to dig into that a bit now. Yeah. Well, what's nice about Chili Piper is the company is just like the most supportive onboard company I've ever worked at. And it's, you know, a lot of people say this about their company. And I, you know, I've heard people say, and I can tell they don't believe it, but like, I really do believe it. 
it's like on social media. You probably noticed us on social media. We're pretty active as a company there. And it's because our reps know that they benefit from it, right? So they're willing to engage and other people are willing to engage. And there's a bunch of other stuff we do to like skyrocket our, our reach on social. But, but basically, if, company, if, if your team knows they're going to benefit from community, if you can express to them the benefits, screenshotting the threads where people promote us, taking examples of people who come inbound through a community, taking examples of threads where people look at us versus our competitors and how we often play out better than them in these threads, then they're going to be bought into the idea of community, right? So once you do that, you can kind of ease the pressure off of this, like, where's our QHM number from Pavilion for October? Like, come on. So that's one of the things that's nice, like being able to demonstrate the success of community in in a qualitative and quantitative way. But you know, it doesn't always have to show up in Salesforce, right? So that's that's one thing we do. Another strategy that's really great is events. You know, it's like you can calculate the TAM from events. It's a formula, right? Particularly if you're doing events that are sourced from a select list. Like let's say you approach a community and you're like, I have 500 clients that I want to get in touch with. Can we do an event of 20 people sourced just from this 500, right? Because the list is 500, I can calculate the average contract value of everybody in that 500. So I know if I do a 25 person event, the TAM of that event is going to be 25 times 15,000 or 20,000 or whatever. Then you multiply that by the rate in which you can get in touch with folks and that by your win rate. So I'm able to look at events and be like, this event will make this much money. This event will make that much money. And if you have like an event strategy going in tandem with some of these less tactical brand activities, then ultimately you'll be able to have your cake and eat it too, so to speak. You'll have the community source tracked QHMs from your community, but you'll also have the less tangible brand benefits that you're looking for. And that'll kind of like keep the CFO off your back a little bit while you build the genuine relationships that are actually indicative of how people buy software nowadays. Because they're not like, oh man, this email from a rep that I just got suddenly made me think about the desire for inbound lead conversion, right? I'm going to buy. They're more likely to be like, we were thinking about our inbound lead conversion. We asked peers. We asked friends. We went to Pavilion. We went to G2, right? That is how buyers make decisions nowadays. So that's where we want to be. Yeah. Something really interesting to kind of tie back to something you said at the beginning, when talking about Chili Piper, you gave a lot of quantitative results, right? Quantitative outcomes of people who use Chili Piper, which I think is in building out your community, right? And having conversations with the community. I think it seems to me that you've kind of found the sweet spot of like understanding that it's a, it's a long-term play, right? You're there to build relationships. You're there to kind of cultivate and help, help your target personas connect with one another, things like that. But you also like have the data to back up, like why Chili Piper will help them. You know where to go to find them. You know that you're there to like build these relationships. And when the time is right, like you have the data to be like, Hey, I saw you're interested in this, or you had a question on this, like, just so you know, like, this is exactly how we could help you. Right. And those, I think we've talked a lot in, in our conversations on community that it's, it's not about selling. It's about how can we, how can we bring value to you? Right. How can we help you? And a marketer or a sales ops person, you know, if they could be the hero who 
who doubles their conversion rate for inbound leads by using a tool like Chili Piper, like that's pretty cool. And that becomes a really easy conversation to have, especially once you've built up some of that, that brand equity through communities. So I know you, you talked a little bit about like how you're, how you're defining success or kind of those, those metrics or formulas that you'll use to like boil down where, where success is coming from. But I'm curious, like what, what other things are you looking at from a success perspective there? Well, it's interesting because community at Chili Piper is a little bit different. Firstly, I want to loop back on that. I love what you said about, you're totally right. Like Chili Piper, what's so great about us is we will double conversion rates for our customers. And then the people who made that tooling decision will often get promoted. And then when they get promoted, they want to share it with other people because they want to provide value themselves, right? Because they might be an influencer or they might be networking or whatever. So it's just awesome. Like when we see someone who has success, we want to support them in their career, right? We don't just want to be like, thanks. Like, you know, it's like the equivalent in the yearbook in middle school where you're like, hags, have a good summer. Like so many people do that. They're like, oh, I love Chili Piper. Great, you're cool. Like heart emoji. You want to like find those people and really build a relationship with them. How can we get you into communities? How can we get you speaking? How can we support you? How can we help you hire people so you can scale your team? Because when you're supporting the people that see value in you, then ultimately you're creating a world where the people in charge are the people who make good software purchasing decisions, right? And like, if you make good software purchasing decisions, you'll probably purchase Chili Piper. So some of our clients, we just have like Shopify, Spotify, Airbnb, Facebook, Intuit, Gong. Like we have so many amazing customers and uh, I just feel really lucky to work with them. So in terms of how we define success, it's interesting because you know, the way we define community is a little bit different than how I like secretly personally define community because I basically view all of my teams as community. So I also manage our events team, right? And I consider field marketing at Chili Piper a community effort, right? So one of the easy ways to do that is through events, as I mentioned earlier, we have this idea, the concept of the event qualified lead, right? So that's a really easy way to track revenue. How many event qualified leads are you getting per month by product, right? So we have all those goals built out for for 2021 even. Like, here are the goals for the rest of the year and goals for next year, like in terms of events we'll source. And a lot of those events are community events, right? Okay, I could could share my my Slack right now. I'm not going to, but I because I closed it. But I'm literally, I've got 20 different Slack groups in there. All these communities. And then a lot of them, the founders of the communities will alert me whenever Chili Piper comes up because that's part of our contract that they social listen for us, right? Then when you look at those, you look at those threads and you say like, okay, this thread, how did our brand come across there? It's more of a qualitative versus quantitative thing, but you can look at like the percentage of advocates you have in threads about your subject versus competitors, right? It's the same on social as well, where I kind of consider LinkedIn a community. Someone's like, I'm using Chili Piper or Lean Data because we now have this awesome tool, Distro, that does basically everything Lean Data does, lead to account matching, speed to lead lead assignment, you like get a hundred inbound webinar leads and it'll assign them all. It's amazing. It's just, we're just really excited about it. But when those conversations happen, it's almost like a buy-in, like whose brand came across better. And I'll admit I'm like weird. So every day at the end of the day, I'll look at all of our competitors on social and it'll be a binary thing. Like did Chili Piper win today? And I know it's not, it's not like a black and white win loss thing, but that's kind of how we view community in some way as well and social. So that's another way you can look at it. A third way you can look at it is, uh, and this is interesting, probably niche just for us, but hiring. So 
you know, we have supported an incredible amount of women in sales communities. She sales, sisters in sales. We were the premier sponsor for the She Sales Summit. We're supporting Gabrielle Blackwell and Alex Zine's effort, uh, Women Who Sell, I think that's what it's called, or Women in Sales. They're basically all these communities. So I actually look at candidates sourced from communities because I tie like a special greenhouse link to them or these events, and then look at the percentage of our full company that's female as an outcome from community, or just in general, diversity goals through community is a part of it. So it's like community should be like the heart of where your brand lives. It's where a lot of the best talent you find comes from. So the people who are like, oh, where's my pipeline from this month's whatever, they're really missing out on a lot of the benefits. So interesting. I would I would classify, Daniel, what your folks are doing at Chili Piper. It's all remarkable. So congratulations as a very advanced or you're, you're mastering community building and, and having a community strategy and a community centered or centric approach. Would you agree with that, number one? I wouldn't say mastered. Uh, a lot of work we could do. But but yeah, for the rest, I would say I'd say that's pretty accurate. Okay. Okay, cool. Because like that kind of leads us into our last question, which is like misconceptions around community building and growing a community. You know, you did this at Modern Sales Pro. You did this on the, I guess, you know, not-for-profit side of things with, the, you know, Bernie right. Sanders and, and whatnot, right? What are some of your common misconceptions? Oh, man, there are so many of them. I guess I'll try and pick five. <laughs> okay, so here's the first one. is that these communities are your top of pipeline where you send your sales reps to to buy things. I was in a, a, a webinar the other day and someone was talking about how to source, like how to teach your SDRs, how to like sleuth threads for deals. And they were like, oh, Dan, we, we, we could talk about this all day. And I was like, but it might be a debate because <laughs> I really don't think we should be doing that, right? Like if you have to speak for your own brand in a community. Look at me, look at how great I am. Like, are you really great? You couldn't find a customer who could say that for you? So I think that's one of the first things. Like, even if you're the CEO of a company, it's not a good look to go in there when someone asks about your solution and be like, pick me, like, tag me in, coach. Uh, you want to build relationships with people in that community, they say it for you. So that's the first misconception. The people who own the product selling the product, it's a bad look, nobody wants it. The second big misconception around community building, I think, is that, and this is an interesting question, we were, we were considering building our customer community and Nicolas said, hey, I want to hire someone who can answer all the questions, right? So if they have this question about this certain advanced JavaScript, whatever thing, we can answer it. And I actually replied that I think that's not necessarily the best approach to community. And what's awesome, Nicolas is such an amazing listener and he's so flexible. He ends up being like, you know what? I think you're right. Because if you have a community where your full-time staffer's job is just to reply to every question, it's not a community. It's a message board where you respond to it, right? So that's the second misconception of community, that you can have a healthy community if all the questions are answered, but it doesn't matter who they're answered for. A healthy community, you're looking like multiple responses per thread that provide value, not necessarily driven by the kind of employee. The third misconception about community, I think, is that, and this is interesting, maybe kind of controversial, is that like everybody needs to build their own community. And I get this question a lot, like, oh, should we build our own community? Like, let's do it. And my question to you is like, is this community about providing value to your audience or is it about you? When we were thinking about building a peer-to-peer -peer community, basically like Pavilion or Modern Sales Pros, like a direct competitor to you all, that was a question we asked ourselves, like, why are we doing this? Is it because we think we can provide a unique niche of value outside of the existing subset of communities out there? 
If the answer is not yes to that, if it's anything about you, then you're starting off the wrong way, right? So that's the third misconception that you want to build your own community instead of actually trying to support people. And then I would say there, there are a ton of other aspects of community that are that are misconceptions. But like one is just pipeline versus talent. Another is that everything has to be tracked. Another is that you should, uh, here's, a, here's a community misconception I love. And this is for you all at Pavilion. Don't get me wrong. I love you. But I hate exclusivity in communities. It's just like when you're like, oh, we'll do this and we're going to lock out all your competitors. Like, and this is a misconception for those who are managing communities, not sponsoring them, right? Or maybe it's a misconception for the sponsors who go in there and then demand that all their competitors leave. Why would you do that? That's like literally going to dumb down the quality of your community, right? If you're creating a community space, but certain voices aren't allowed within it, that's not even free speech. Like, that's just like some fake world that's not actually reflective of reality. So I know everybody's doing it. And I've sold, like I said, I've sold these sponsorships. It's great to do because you can be like, buy or your competitor will buy tomorrow. It's so fun to sell sponsorships like that. It was actually like the best ever when I was doing it. It was so great because everyone's like, oh, no, don't go to our competitors. But like what I would recommend instead is that you sell exclusivity over certain projects, right? Hey, we're doing this event series for the quarter. We're only going to pick one sponsor per category, but don't lock other people out. Like, I just think that's a slippery slope. As a marketer who buys these, I don't want to have to face down my competitors and lock them out every year. Like, I'd rather just work with them and then try and have a competitive advantage by having more happy customers within the community. So there are several misconceptions about community for you. Just wow, this was uh, this was <laughs> chock full of advice, tactical advice, also big picture thinking. Daniel, it's a pleasure, my friend. Congratulations again. Like you've built oh. something remarkable over there. Thanks. No, uh, I really appreciate it. We're glad to we're glad to be here and um excited to talk to this audience as well. Because if any of them are looking to, you know, optimize inbound lead conversion, we're the company, we're the folks. Just ask anybody, <laughs> any community. <laughs> <laughs> What a conversation, Carly. Mark, that was, I'm, yeah, it, that was just great. I'm, I'm almost, almost kind of speechless. So many valuable insights. I, I really feel like you said, like Chili Piper has mastered a lot of, you know, a lot of community in a way that I think is pretty accessible to most B2B brands and most marketers, you know, I, I think that they, and they found ways to measure it, which is remarkable. You know, that, like I said, they had this balance of knowing that you don't need to measure everything with community, that it's a long-term play, but they found ways to measure it, which, and, and that balance I think is, is so rare and just really, really interesting. Agree. Agree. Like my, my spark, the big idea that's going to hopefully help you grow your community this week, Carly is around the integration of the community team. If there is a dedicated community team and your field or really just event marketing team. So Dan sounds like he has the event marketing team underneath his leadership uh, as part of his overall team. I have the same thing at Drift. The, the event team reports into, into myself and it's, it's the community, content, events, creative team all together in the way she talked about it is the fact that an event, if you're going to an event, sponsoring an event, if you're having sponsors at your own first party event, proprietary event, what is that at the end of the day? That's a community building thing, Carly. So really making sure that if you can integrate your community efforts, however big they might be, it could be like what 
Dan was describing, or it could be more smaller in scope because you're just getting going. But having those things be highly integrated, aligned, or on the same team as your event marketing team, your field team, super smart. And to your point about measurement, it's a really great quantifiable way you can measure the impact of community, yeah. what that Dan described. Yeah, really true. And and he laid out that exact formula, right, of how they measure events with community, which was really helpful to hear. On my end for this week, the spark, something that Dan said that I think is, again, a no-brainer, but something that's really easy to kind of look past is this idea that if you're if you want to invest in community, especially in engaging with external communities, right? You're not building your own, you're going out to communities where your buyers already are or your customers already are. You need to make sure you have the bandwidth to capitalize on that. And I think it's an easy trap for a lot of, especially if you have kind of budget to play with, right? To be like, all right, cool. Like we got X X number of dollars to, to work with, with community this quarter. Like who can we go to and how many places can we go and how can we kind of really diversify the communities that we're engaging with? That's great. But you also have to remember like the work that needs to go in to making sure that you get you know, the return on your investment, whether it's quantitative or qualitative, right? Building up your brand presence or actually measuring it against events, like we just said, but making sure that you have the bandwidth to build a community strategy, I think is like the the question we all need to ask ourselves before we start to do anything with community. Like, can I do this myself? What help do I need? What is success going to look like? And do I have the time to dedicate to achieve that success? And I think community is in a set it and forget it play. You know, there's a lot you need to do to engage with your buyers and and making sure you have that bandwidth is is going to be incredibly important to, to the success of any journey within community. Yeah, it's, it's a great point to go fast. You sometimes have to go slow, mm-hmm. right? So take some time at the beginning to do some planning, to do some reflection thinking and and come up with what's realistic you know to speed up you gotta slow down yeah. to your point so yeah, like do that exactly. up front and don't just don't just go crazy into execution mode because that might actually at the end of the day might not be like focused enough or might not have enough might not have enough like actual capacity to then follow through another point that dan made to some of the things you're doing very true well another great episode in the books yes another great one where these conversations just keep getting better and better We'll see you at the next Community Sense conversation. Carly, thank you so much again. Always a pleasure. And if you enjoyed the episode, folks, please let us know. Leave us five stars and we'd love to to hear what you thought. Thank you, Mark. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Community Sense Podcast. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star rating or share the show with a friend. And don't forget to connect with us at communitysense.co.